What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Slam Dunk Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Jensen, alongside Kellen Voss and D'Angelo Starks. Guys, it's uh, great to be back on with you. A lot has happened in Detroit sports since the last time we've Tons. Very true, very true. It's kind of absurd how much has happened. Yeah, you don't don't really expect that much to happen uh, this time of the year, but, you know, with the NBA season getting pushed back uh, and the Lions being terrible, as always... Uh, things are going to come up. We are, we're going to talk about some Lions news. We're going to hit on some college basketball with that season just getting started up here this past week. But we want to start off today with the – I don't know what adjective to use to describe uh, the, the Pistons offseason at active. this point. It's active, chaotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a lot of tons and tons of moves. Every time Woj tweets, I'm assuming it's going to be something that Troy Weaver – uh, has uh, pulled the trigger on. But let's just start off with what we have. The last time we talked, we talked about the draft picks. We talked about who they grabbed uh, in the draft. And since then, there's been a ton of moves that have been made. Um, Jeremy Grant was the first down, or excuse me, Mason Plumley was the first domino to fall. Plumley was signed to a three-year $25 million deal. He was the first uh, free agent signing of the Troy Weaver era. Uh, a bit surprising to most uh, Pistons fans. Then we got Jeremy, or we got Jaleel Okafor, another surprise at, at a vet men for two years. Then we got Jeremy Grant, uh, a three-year, $60 million contract, uh, taking him from the Nuggets, which that contract was, uh, after reading some reports, was also offered to him by the Nuggets, but wanted a bigger role in Detroit, so we can talk about that in a bit. Um, the final move of the night on the first night of free agency, J- uh, Josh Jackson. Uh, was signed to a vet minimum deal, which is something that I really like as a project piece. Uh, the Pistons then traded Tony Bradley for Zaire Smith. Tony Bradley was a part of the deal to get the 36th pick in the draft to Saban Lee, or 38th pick, excuse me. We thought that Zaire Smith was going to be on the team, but to make some of these contracts work, they had to wave and stretch him like they did with Dwayne Dedman. So we will be seeing a $3.4 million dead cap uh, on the books for this season. Um, other moves that were made, uh, Christian Wood signed with, or was in a sign-and-trade. That was a part of the trade to get Isaiah Stewart in a 2027 second-round pick and some cash, uh, $4.6 million, I believe, from the Rockets. Next move that was made, uh, DeLon Wright was traded over to the Pistons uh, for James Johnson. Um, and uh, that was a part of the Trevor Ariza trade where we got Trevor Ariza from the Rockets. Trevor Ariza has been moved around uh, more than anybody in the seven-day period, I believe. Um, and other than that, oh, today, uh, Davidas Servitas mm-hmm. uh, from the Lithuanian League signed a three-year deal with the Pistons. And that, I think, Think wraps it all up. Yeah, John Holland uh, was going off on that move on Twitter earlier today. He did not like. He did not like the Pistons bringing him over. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to a guy that who who whiffed on so many draft picks for for Memphis. I I don't I don't pay a lot of attention to what he has to say. Fair. To be honest with you, fair. Uh, <laughs> but I did see that too. And Duncan Smith, Duncan Smith has been somebody who's been very vocal about not liking this Pistons offseason on Twitter. Uh, some Pistons fans have been really uh, hopeful just to, for the fact that, yeah, we're going to lose, but we're going to get these young guys in uh, onto the court, into the system early, and really see what they have to do. Others are, 
are worried that they may be, be may be putting their ceiling up too high with a signing like Jeremy Grant. Um, let's start with that signing, I guess. Uh, that was um, maybe a bit of a weird number to see Jeremy Grant sign for. He's not somebody that is necessarily a great playmaker with the ball in his hands. Not, not that we saw in Denver, at least. Uh, a lot of his looks were uh, created by two great facilitators, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Um, not having those guys around you probably is going to stunt, uh, or, or not stunt, but uh, take back some of that. Uh, uh, take back some of that that he gives to the team offensively, defensively. He's gonna. This team overall is going to be a great defensive team mm-hmm. uh, compared to last year with everything that they brought in, uh, adding Killing Hayes, Sadiq Bay, all those guys. The defensive side of the ball is going to be really good, but offensively for Jeremy Grant, uh, he must think there's more in there, and so that's why he wanted a bigger role here. And so, an odd signing and an odd fit for a team that wants to lose so many games, but there could be some trade value in there if a contender wants them in the in the future. Certainly, yeah. There's there's definitely some trade value there at, towards the end of that deal. Um, the interesting thing that I saw, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Nuggets actually matched the offer that Detroit brought on the table, and Grant said he wanted to come to Detroit for the offensive output. Now, as a just it just as a Pistons fan, it's exciting to see guys who made us made some certain made a certain amount of plays in the playoffs uh, want to come and play in Detroit and have that offensive role. That being said, you do worry about how this stunts the go- the growth of a guy like Sekou Demboya, who plays pretty much the exact same position that Jer- that Jeremy Grant does. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, it's one that caught me by surprise for sure, especially like Noah said at that number. Um, but it's a it's a player that that I like. I think he's a solid player you know you kind of know what you're gonna at least you think you know what you're gonna get out of him but if he's betting on himself like this maybe he really does have something more in his offensive bag but I just don't think we've ever seen that out of him so I it all boils down to how they're gonna roll him out and how they're gonna balance playing players like him that they just signed versus like playing the young guys and I I don't know. This was one of the more questionable moves, I think, just because it seems like not a very big need, especially, like you said, for a team that's hoping to lose. So I I can't say that I fully understand it, but I'm also not going to say that there's no chance it would work out. Yeah, and I think looking forward is definitely the way that uh, Troy Weaver and company were uh, uh, when they when they made this offer to to Grant. We're really looking at it because you don't suspect him at age twenty nine to resign here uh, at the tri- like if you're looking at it as the Pistons are going to be rebuilding. Obviously, they are. Um, if they are to that point by twenty twenty three you probably aren't suspecting that uh, Jeremy Grant's going to want to resign. Um, his his role might not be where he'd like it to be at that age. Uh, he might not be in the picture uh, anymore. And so you possibly could be able to, to move that contract to a contender, maybe in year two or year three of that contract, especially in year three when it's money coming off the books for a pick or whatnot uh, in a draft class. Um in a couple draft next year or the year after, 
in draft classes that uh, in these next three years, the draft classes look really nice. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have some opportunity to really capitalize on giving that contract. Um, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, just from the standpoint of we are, this doesn't necessarily uh, propel us to a, a playoff spot in the East. I wouldn't say um, we're trying to lose. Uh, I'm not worried about making moves like this when I know that the goal is to lose and get better assets in the draft. Right. Uh, if, if this was a move that we were making to get us over the top and get us to uh, the playoffs, then I'd be a little more skeptical about it. But when it's uh, purely just for uh, team building and uh, bringing in possibly more assets because of that contract, then I- I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, Kevin O'Connor was talking on one of the Ringer podcasts earlier this uh, last week, uh, saying that it felt like there were two different people that were drafting that 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 were at the wheels for the Pistons this offseason, where Troy Weaver made this made all these moves in the draft, and it seemed like the Pistons were going into a full rebuild and a full tank mode, tanking for draft picks for twenty one and twenty two with the double draft especially. But then when you look at free agency, a lot of moves seem to be made in a sense like a contending team, like a team that has one or two more pieces that they need to chase a title. So that it's a little disconcerting to see that potentially the vision that Troy Weaver had, it seems to be a little more complex than we thought it was. But if you still look at this Pistons roster, it's still one of the weakest in the East. I mean, I'd say the only roster that I, the only rosters that I, that I dislike more than the Pistons in terms of just the Eastern conference teams, you're probably looking at maybe New York, in Cleveland, I would say. I think the Hornets roster and the Bulls roster are probably around the same level as ours. So we're still going to be a bottom five, bottom ten team in the league. It's just a matter of the lottery at that point. Yeah, and we've seen teams get lucky in the lottery. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of that luck for for Detroit. but Never. never They've yeah. literally never yeah. <laughs> climbed up the lottery. They, they seem to fall right in that seven to twelve range. Yeah, but if we get the number endlessly. one pick, the worst we can be is five. That's true. So that would, that that would, would be, be nice in this draft for sure. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I don't want to judge it or go too far in it because I, I loved what he did on draft night. And I think he has some sort of plan. It might be a little insane or at least on the outside, it looks a little insane, but he must know what he's doing. Otherwise, this could get really weird. It could. It could get very weird. <laughs> uh, it, but I, I trust what Troy Reaver is going to do. Uh, he's making a ton of moves. There, there. I trust that coming from an organization like Oklahoma City and the background that he's had as a talent evaluator throughout his whole career, um, I, I trust uh, the plan that he's putting into place. Uh, the next signing I want us to talk about real quick is personally my favorite signing of them all, uh, and that's Mason Plumley at three years, $25 million. He's somebody that uh, plays to the strengths of a, of a kid like Killian Hayes mm-hmm. in the pick-and-roll game, one of the best pick-and-roll centers in the league. Uh, not only that, um, uh, Laz Jackson had a Denver reporter on his podcast the other day, and he talked about how um, – not only is he uh, a good facilitator and a good uh, role man in the pick and roll, uh, he's also 
a guy who, if you tell him to guard anybody on the floor, he's going to guard whoever you want him to guard. There were times that he had to switch out onto ones just because Denver needed somebody to switch onto ones on the perimeter, and he held his own. And so when you're getting a guy like that who's just going to fight and claw for you and do everything uh, to get your team to be better, um, I, I like that sort of signing. Yeah, you might have thought that that was too much money to spend on a guy, but once again, it, it doesn't bother me that much because we're not – it's not a move to make us better. It's a move to it. It is a move to make us better, but it's to make the players, the young players on the team, better and play to their strengths. And that's what I like about the move the most. Yeah, I am right there with you. To get him at that figure, though, with with three years, twenty five million, I feel like there's a lot of guys out there that that could have been eighty percent of what uh, what Plumlee is for like thirty percent of the price. I just – I don't know if there's uh, – who who wants to come to Detroit at that price to, to then lose? You yeah. know what I mean? At 30% of the price that, that's 80 – like somebody in that mold, like people are comparing it to Montrez Harrell getting $9 million uh, from the Lakers. There's no way that Montrez Harrell is coming to the Pistons for $9 million. There's no way. No. Like that – like – like the, you, you'd have to overpay for a guy like Montrezl Harrell to come to Detroit, and so you're you, and so a number like five million is probably what Mason Plumlee was going to get uh, a year in the open market, and so the fact that he's getting eight million, I'm not that mad about paying three million dollars more uh, for a guy who's going to help the development of our franchise point guard. Yeah, no, I agree. I've I've always liked Plumlee as the backup big in Denver, especially when you see. Some of the things that he can do offensively, you know, as a lot of of what he can do as a facilitator kind of surprised me um, after his time at Duke. But knowing that he is so good in the pick and roll, like Noah said, and you have Killian Hayes, who you imagine is going to be running pick and roll more than he's probably ever run pick and roll in his life. It's just a kind of a perfect match and, I'm not too worried about the price tag because I think that as far as contracts go, that's pretty low. I mean, that's compared to some of the contracts we've seen, that's not even close to being bad. So I feel, I feel good about that movement and I like what he brings to the team. Yeah. And if you're looking at it just from a pure development standpoint of Hayes to add those two guys together in Plumlee and Grant who have now have that playoff experience, they have, um, they have a little bit of playoff pedigree, and they work. They work well with what Hayes does on the offensive side of the floor, and can be and can 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 do a decent job on the defensive end of the floor in both of those ways. And then obviously you're not looking for the playoffs too. But one more thing on Grant is that it's nice to have a guy who can at least at least not necessarily shut down by any means, but can at least guard guys like LeBron and Giannis and Bam Adebayo, who are more and more present in the league. These these uh, hybrid point forward types. Uh, the more and more those guys are coming in, having a guy who can guard those guys while the young team still worries about getting their own shots up is a nice thing to have for sure. Yeah, I think that's huge too. That's a good point that you brought up there, Kellen, because in years past, I mean, who were we asking to, to guard some of the, I mean, Stanley I think Johnson. Sekou, yeah, Stanley Johnson for a year. I mean, Sekou was picking up LeBron uh, in his first couple of starts. Uh, he had to guard LeBron and Paul George. And I mean, we're asking these young guys and some guys that are guarding out of position to, to try to defend some of these guys, and they don't really get the results that we're looking for. But 
they're, that's not who they're supposed to be guarding. And so having a guy like that to take some pressure off, uh, that, that makes that's a really good point to bring bring a guy like him in. Um, are there any uh, any of these moves that we hadn't talked about uh, in particular? Was there anything there that sort of stood out to you that you really liked or you really didn't? Yeah. Like? Um. If we're gonna let, let's let's keep let's keep things positive here. Uh, I like Delon Wright as a signing. I feel like that one kind of slid under the radar because it was it was a little bit after a lot of the big news with Plumley and um, Grant. But to have a guy who's been who's co- been coached under under Casey his first couple of years, a guy who can play both the point guard and the shooting guard position, he's a flexible guy who can come off the bench. Uh, by all accounts, seems like a guy who's okay with just being a contributor and not necessarily taking a lot of shots. Um, you know, he he got he, uh, he's a little bit he almost didn't really fit with the Mem- with the Mavericks roster just off how, how with the influx of shooting guards and point guards they have on that roster. But to pick him up, I thought was a wise move. Just to just to be another guy to just in case Killian Hayes is an absolute train wreck this season. This can be a guy who can at least uh, at least uh, is above is above a guy like Tim Frazier was last season. Yeah, I liked I liked Wright too. Um, I really like Josh Jackson bringing him in for practically nothing, and you know he's a former number four overall pick. We you go back and look at how good he was in college and the two way ability that he showed. I mean, he's, he's been atrocious in the league and if it doesn't work out, it really doesn't matter. But if you figure out that you have something with him and he, and something finally clicks for him, that's a huge win for Detroit. Um, And it's extremely low cost. So I, I, that's one of my favorite moves just because of, how little it actually affects the the larger outcome of the team, but it's one that could in the long run be pretty beneficial. Yeah. These are two guys I've been a fan of in the league for, uh, since they, since they've really come in, uh, Delon Wright, uh, just going to the Mavericks. Uh, I thought that was a really good move for them. Obviously it didn't work out very well. He didn't get a ton of playing time. Also having him brought in just as a veteran, uh, piece as well that can play multiple positions guard multiple positions that's a, that's a really good guy to have in your locker room josh jackson i've been rooting for his entire career i've always wanted him uh to succeed it sucks what's happened to him i mean i i remember watching him as a sophomore in the in the state finals at detroit consortium uh when he when he led his team uh, to the state title and um i just remember watching him in warm-ups and i, I couldn't I just looked at my dad and I, I, I knew that that kid was an NBA player from the moment I saw him step on the floor. And it sucks to see his development not be there the way we thought it was going to be, especially with how well he played at Kansas. The jump shot just hasn't really uh, been there for him. Defensively, he's a dog. Uh, and that's what's really nice about all these pickups. Mm-hmm. Every single one of these guys really works on defense, besides Jill Illo before. Yeah, that's, um, we'll, let's I, talk about that one in a couple of minutes. Yeah, every single one of these guys really works hard on defense. And Josh Jackson, uh, Dwayne Casey today in media days compared him to taking a flyer on like a Christian Wood. And I think if if Jackson works out in a way that uh, you can bring him back next year, I think he's he potentially brings more value at the position that he plays. And that the, if if his offensive game, uh, if he can get to about 35, 36, if just the league average from three, and because uh, his slashing ability and his athleticism of uh, finishing over guys, uh, he has that ability still. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can get to the bucket, but 
Uh, it's hard to when when uh, defenses can take a couple steps off you and, and restrict you from getting into the lane. Uh, that's that's what makes it tough for him to get to the lane. But when he does, uh, he, he's pretty darn good at it. And so if someone like him can can have sort of a career resurgence and uh, play, obviously not to the level that Christian Wood did, but sort of bring that spark and get that spark back into his game, I think he's somebody that can be more valuable to a team than a Christian would just because of the position that he plays and what he does for you on the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk about the worst signing of all the free agency behind Gordon Hayward signing for four years, 120 million with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I mean, real quick, thank God we're not Charlotte Hornets fans because Oof. we, if I would have just, if we would have just got LaMelo ball and we signed Gordon Hayward for four years, 120 million, not to mention that we had to cut, Nick Patoon for $27 million of dead money. So like Ryan Rosillo said on his podcast, it's basically a four-year $147 million contract for, for Gordon Hayward. I mean, brutal. That is – it's – You got to respect it's mind-boggling at that point. You know, there's, there's three guys who have gotten $30 million-plus deals in the NBA history. You have gotten multiple deals like that. It's Durant, it's LeBron, it's Gordon Hayward. What that is that? insane, and the fact that if the fact that there were other teams offering him over a hundred million dollars for four years, it, it doesn't make any sense. What has he shown you? I know in years past he's been that type of player, but yeah, he's not that yeah, guy he's anymore. Like, uh, what do you think? I don't know who they're watching. They they clearly haven't watched a ton of Boston Celtics basketball. They're watching. They're watching Utah Jazz games yeah, from 2014. Absolutely. It's like, what do you? Oh, I'm I'm very happy we're not because they're they're just a nine seed or a ten seed now. Mm-hmm. There's not like they think this gets them to the playoffs, but it really doesn't. There's no I don't it, think there's any Charlotte, way. To make Charlotte the ended up taking the um, spot that Detroit has had has had a hold on for the last couple of years of the team that's not not bad enough to yeah. get a top five pick, but not good enough to make the playoffs. Detroit was stuck there for a long time, so kudos to them for taking that spot for us. Yes, thank you. We're we're glad to to uh, give you the reins on that. Um, so yeah, the worst signing uh, for Detroit, obviously, it's Jaleel Okafor. Didn't make any sense when it happened. No. Even uh, nobody's even talking like that's not even a signing people are talking about because there's no need to try to rationalize it because there there's like you drafted Isaiah Stewart. Mm-hmm. He can be your backup center for the future. You're bringing in Jaleel Okafor. I don't understand. What, what this signing is for? Valve, I really just don't. Just in case Plumlee doesn't work out, I guess it's a safety valve in that if Plumlee doesn't work out, you're not just completely relying on Isaiah Stewart. But at the same time, like James uh, James Edwards from the Athletic just came out with a with a um, with a Pistons like uh, an estimated depth chart the other day. He actually has Sekou Dumboya above Okafor as listed center. He actually has Dumboya as the third string center over Okafor. And I honestly wouldn't hate that with the Pistons going all ball lineup. Kind of thing. No, Especially I think that makes sense. Yeah. So, so who did he who did he have uh, at the at the backup, the backup center? Do you have center, Stewart yeah. there? So I I mean I I okay. I wouldn't hate that, especially with the offseason I've seen out of Seku. But I I think that Okafor is officially going to take the spot that Thon Maker has held the last couple of years, where Pistons Twitter is just going to hate him every single time he he goes on the floor. I really feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, it's pretty hard to say. I miss Thon Maker, but I kind of wish Thon Maker was still in this spot ahead of him, just because Thon Maker offers you more versatility in that role. 
Yeah, I, I, weirdly enough, I agree because I, not, I, I was a huge fan of Thon Maker when he was in high school. Uh, that is quickly, uh, <laughs> that is quickly changed. Um, seeing him in the NBA, and so yeah, I, I still would rather have a guy like Thon there instead of Jaleel. Yeah, this one just doesn't make sense. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people that was like really high on him coming out of college. But he's just – he's not a productive NBA player, especially not in today's NBA. Maybe if you if you send him back two decades or three decades, he could be a, a good back-to-the-basket big. But nobody needs that. And especially this team doesn't need that. He doesn't fit anything – he doesn't fit any of the other moves. It's not like he's a good defender. And it's not like he brings you, like, three and D skill sets that you want out of modern bigs or you – I don't. I just don't know what he brings to the table, other than a ball a stopper rim- in the post, You're not be able to and nobody needs either. that. Like, that was the- no, he's it, no. it yeah. makes no sense. Yeah, that 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 baffled me uh, when I saw that. Um, I, I got to my phone late, so I was going through my my Twitter notifications, and that was the first one I saw because it it had happened sooner uh, than the Mason Plumley one, and I was like. Okay, cool. We got a backup. We got a, I guess, a starting center. And then I saw the Mason Plumley signing. I'm like, okay, then why did we, why did we make the Jaleel Okafor? Signing? Honestly, if we would have like, just what? went Okafor and and just embraced the tank, that would have made that would have been fine. But I, I think it would, I think it would have made more sense. Yeah, uh, it's a business. Yeah, sense. and so, yeah, it's weird. Um, what I'm really looking forward to though this season, and um, I, I think I did take a look at that depth chart. I can't remember off the top of my head what it necessarily looked like, but a, a second unit that I would really love to see is a D Rose, uh, DeLon Wright, Sadiq Bay, Sekou, and, and Isaiah Stewart out yep, there. You know, uh, because four of those, four of those five can D up. Mm-hmm. No, you, I was what just was saying, I have the depth chart up here. You nailed it. That's exactly what the second team would have been. Perfect. God, give me a give me a contract, Dwayne. I know I know how to get this team ready. Is Josh Jackson um, starting three in that depth chart then? Shoot, who would be the st- oh Jeremy Grant? Oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah, Jeremy Grant, Blake at the four, Mason at the yeah. five, Svi at the two, Svi baby. at the two. Love it. Love absolutely it. love it. And then and then Killian starting, which would be really nice to see, yeah. and then. Yeah, Josh Jackson. Uh, if they want to give eleventh man minutes, probably the Josh Jackson or hopefully um, not Jaleel Okafor. Hopefully never to Jaleel Okafor. <laughs> hopefully that never has to happen. And so I'm, I like. It's crazy to think that you you can be excited about a team that's going to suck, but like we've never had this before. We've never like there have been people that have thought this team was going to suck, but we have to. We've always been in a position like. Kellen mentioned of what the Hornets are in now that are fighting for that nine or eight like, spot. Yeah, every we might year. be good enough to get eight and get swept by Milwaukee. We might be. We might be. We're, but now we yeah. know we're the bottom. We know what we are, and we're the worst team. We're one of the worst teams in the NBA. It's uh, all about we're definitely. There's definitely no West team that we're better than uh, because that conference is loaded and we can talk about that on we another episode yeah, uh, before the season we might have starts been the thunder just because the thunder are going to try to suck this year i feel like yeah 
but they still have Shay. They still have like uh, that's it. Um, yeah, they have Shay. <laughs> Lou Dor. <laughs> they got Lou Dor. They, they don't even uh, have Terrence I'm, I'm Ferguson gonna, anymore. Uh, I'm gonna bring up that roster. Darius Bay. I just want to see. Ooh, that's a nice piece. He can't do anything but play defense. <laughs> He's um, he can hypothetically shoot threes. Uh, yeah, I've seen him. I've seen him attempt uh-huh. them. Oh, they got Hammy. They got Hamadou. Ham and Cheese Diallo. Yeah. Oh, they got Al Horford, George Hill. This, this roster is still better than the Pistons. I don't know the ghost of Al Horford, and uh, it probably they got is. Poku. Oh, they, they do Poku. have Poku. That's exciting for them. Um. Yeah, this is a this is a rock like. But God. they also have a trillion picks, so they'll be and fine. like be playing more See, Western he, Conference teams and Eastern Conference teams too. So like, they might they might mess around yeah. and get Cade Cunningham. That be fun. oh my god, that, that would be fun. Yeah, <laughs> he and he and Shea. Yeah, the, oh my goodness, uh, that is a that is a filthy sure. duo it's to a think starting about. Base. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, well. In all Good for them. Like Chris Vernon was saying on the Ringer NBA show last week, like right now the NBA is at a really good spot with teams where there's probably 23, 24 teams that think they can make the playoffs, maybe even more than that. And with with mm-hmm. revenues going to be down because fans are going to be limited, if at all, be in game. So if there's any year to suck, I feel like this is a good year to suck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah there's no – there's no better you know, just because, yeah, you're not fighting with – because, I mean, in the East, if we're just looking at the teams in the East that are uh, probably locks, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Miami, Philly, Brooklyn, uh, Atlanta, there's Let's eight right there. Let's with Milwaukee uh, and Atlanta real quick. They they made – they they're, they're going to – I mean, as an eight seed, I just don't know. I, they're a lot better than Charlotte, I think. I, for me, it's uh, Atlanta or Chicago if Billy Donovan is uh, what I think he'll be for them. I mean, if John Wall is back to like 75% of what he was off of injury, I know the contract number's bad and that really yeah, but he's still puts a, a damper quality. on what he looks like. Is the best player out of yeah, but I mean, if you – yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so like I was thinking, it's between Atlanta and Washington. To be honest, that's with fair. You. Uh, that's, but I mean, Chicago has a lot of quality guys. Yeah. I still don't know if if Patrick Williams is going to be ready to contribute day one. I think he could be. We know he will be uh, defensively. But, it's just what he'll look like on the offense. Oh, he's not, doesn't matter what he looks like. He's never yeah. hit the ball with Levine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no one's going to pass it to him because every single one of those guys. Wants the yeah, ball. I've got a, I've got it real quick. Just a side thing. I've got a friend who's a Bulls fan, and he's been texting me nonstop about how he's trying to change my mind on Zach Levine, and it's, it's so, it's so funny to just have him send me all these things about Zach Levine, and I'm like, Nah, I'm good. I don't want Zach Levine to be the best player on my team. He, yeah, he's a good basketball player, but I don't like. He's he a, cannot he's, be a number one. That, like, that's exactly my thing. If you, if you guys, if you, do you guys still play fantasy basketball in some in some fashion? Because I have a I, high school. I do actually. I'm th- I'm thinking about doing it this I year. I do. If anybody my, has my an opening, my high school players in the league. were thinking of like re re like getting the league back together, and Zach Levine is a prime 
fantasy basketball player. That man will get Absolute, you. Good stats, he can bad get team. It's a night if he's losing, oh, by, yeah. even though he's losing by twenty five. Like he, he'll he'll, he'll mm-hmm. have a, he'll have a nice little stretch there. But yeah, if he's your if he was a Pistons best player, I'd be I'd be concerned. I'd be yeah. vomiting every day. Yes, I would be very upset. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so in the East, there's I, I, okay. Let's just say seven teams for sure that are making the playoffs, and then maybe three Don't or four teams. Like I know, I know. Uh, I know. He he counted them as a lot. No, Indi- no, Indiana Indiana's there Person- for sure. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, yeah, just because it's the East, but I feel less good about them than I've well, ever yeah. felt yeah. about them. Yeah, I I do too, but I mean they're they're definitely ahead of teams like Orlando, oh, Charlotte, un- Washington, undoubtedly. Chicago, undoubtedly. Atlanta. So I mean like Atlanta, Chicago, Washington, Charlotte, uh Orlando. That's five teams right there that are fighting for the eighth spot. And then Cleveland, Detroit, and New York are just like, yeah. We're just the three uh, worst we're just teams chill over here, and then in the West, I mean, other than the Thunder and the Timberwolves, yeah, they, they got no chance. Every single team in the in the West thinks that they can make the playoffs. Is still pretty. So, yeah, bad. there's. I I I expect De'Aaron Fox to take another step forward this year. I think I think oh, that guy. Yeah. I think that guy is, is is one of the more underrated guys in the league right now in terms of in terms of budding superstars. He's never mentioned with, in terms of the budding superstars conversation enough, I don't think, but um, it, they, they, they don't have a, they don't have a, they don't have a great roster either. I, I don't, I don't playoffs. Oh no, no, but they're kind of like how we were. They, they think that they're able to fight. Like they have a, a few pieces around facts they do. to make them think that they could fight for like the eight seed, but they just, they, they're gonna try to win every single mm-hmm. night, and so that's what that's what sort of yeah. hurts yeah. them a little bit. I would say. I think that's all, that's kind of uh, because of him as well, just the way that he plays and how mm-hmm. hard he plays. But as far as like bottom feeder teams go, I think their roster has a lot of a lot more things that you can feel good about than like. You I, know I who's a, you know who's I don't a think they're gonna make to, by any stretch. Sleeper team to suck in the West. Utah might just fall off a cliff. Yeah, Utah, Utah, I love trash in Utah. Bad, if, if there's any Utah <laughs> oh. Jazz fans that listen to this podcast, I'm sorry because that's two podcasts in a row now that we've talked that Utah has been mentioned in a very negative light for us. That's true. I think that's that should true. be our brand now. We, we should, should just be very anti-Utah yeah. Utah Jazz. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, they they it could be. I mean, they didn't really. Uh, they didn't lose anybody this off season, right? I mean, Tony Bradley, but I mean, they replaced him with the Duke guys, Ibuki, which I think is weird, but is they whatever. didn't. Yeah, they didn't really um, do anything. They just got Mike. Mike Conley got older. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, and that's what that's. I mean, that was a at at first it looked like a really good move for them, but I mean, now it's just they brought in uh, Jordan Clarkson for more money too, which like I guess. He was but really like, good off Jordan, their bench. Jordan, I will Jordan say Clarkson's that. never going to win you a playoff game, I don't think. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I... No, he might win you Maybe one because he puts up yeah. forty-five shots. Yeah. That was Bill Simmons was hating that move because, like, that's a guy who's never going to sniff an All-Star team that you're giving out huge money to. So, what was his? I'm. What was his? Contract? It was four years. What did it get into this? 60s? No way. I thought it was close. I would get it was somewhere between 12 and 15 yeah, a year, I think. 
Yeah. Four year fifty two. Okay. A lot of money. Yeah. Okay, so so yeah, how much? I mean, what that's, is that, a year? that would be probably close to thirteen a year ish, right? Because you do thirteen times two is twenty six, and then yeah, 50. yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's that's, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen is what it, the cap that's is. Too much. Year. So, I mean, we're yeah we're only paying Jeremy probably Grant six million more than that. And would you rather have Jeremy Grant or Jordan Clarkson? Yeah, Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Without a doubt, even for the like, con- even comparing the yeah. contracts, I'd probably yeah. rather have Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant because Clarkson just every time I watch him play, like, and I'm going to talk about when we get to college basketball talk. I'm going to talk about a guy that I that kind of reminds me of him a little bit, even though I think he's better. Uh, every time Jordan Clarkson touches the ball, like the possession's over. Mm-hmm. Like just just get back on defense because that ball's going up. There's no way he's passing it. Yeah, I. Like, he scores, but it's not fun to watch him score. And it definitely can't be fun to play with him and watch him score and take the shots that he yeah. takes. It's fun to watch him score one every 20 nights when he's putting <laughs> up 30 or something like that. But every other time he's out there, it's just it's like, bad. golly. I'm just, yeah, he averaged one and a half assists per game last Ugh. year on – it had to have been pretty good usage because he just doesn't stop dribbling. Um, I'm like 26 and a half, tw- like yeah. 27% usage nope. rate. Like that's, and that those were comparable usage rates that he had last year with Utah when he was on a terrible LA team and a terrible Cleveland team. Like he just doesn't move the ball. I don't know how, it's just that I I every time we I watched the Jazz last year I hated watching. I'm going to start a campaign to get Quinn Snyder out of Utah. Ooh. I think I think that's yeah. my mission. <laughs> He's one of my favorite coaches in the league, and it just it, it sucks that he uh, is being given Jordan Clarkson that money that Jordan Clarkson should never have seen in the league. And he has to deal with the Rudy Gobert yeah. who can't do anything well, but play defense. Like Rudy Gobert is like never satisfied. It, it 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 seems like it doesn't. It, it he he's, he can't be a number one option, but he seems to think he is. I don't know. I don't know who told him he was a number one option, but he shouldn't even be a number four whoa. option. Like I don't whoa. know who he thinks he is. Whoa. He's yeah. offensively, offensively. offensively. Like, he can't. He can't have him yeah. do anything except for catch a lob from Donovan Mitchell. And sometimes he misses those. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very true. I don't. Like um, him. I'm not a big fan of him. You know what? I feel like yeah, he's a guy. Well, who, I didn't like, think we were going to get any jazz talk with today. Cleveland or something, and we just don't hear about him as much anymore. I... He's a classic oh, yeah. New York oh, guy. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. He's a Nick. <laughs> he's a Nick for sure. <laughs> Like, hey, we got Rudy Gobert. Awesome. He doesn't make us win any games. So he can set so many screens for did. RJ Barrett. Glad we gave him twenty five yeah. million dollars a year. So <laughs> uh, let's move on real quick. Uh, let's just talk about uh, Callan and I. We talked about this a lot with Jacob on our live stream on locker room the other day. Uh, the Lions fired uh, GM Bob Quinn, but more importantly. Head coach Matt Patricia is <laughs> gone. Um, very, very exciting uh, to news for us Lions fans to see. And I, let's not even waste our time talking about him. Let's talk about who we want as his replacement. Yeah. 
Uh, D'Angelo, you said uh, before we started recording, there was one guy that has sort of mm-hmm. moved up the rankings uh, for you. Uh, who would that uh, be? Well, for a long time, you know, I was preaching do whatever you got to do to get Eric B enemy in the building. But uh, I don't know. I've kind of switched my thoughts on that. And I think I'm all in on Robert Sala. I'm all in on him, man. I mean, he's, he's a Michigan guy already. And that's not even the, the more important part of it. It's like, I was already starting to talk myself into him. Obviously you look at, what San Francisco has done on defense since he got there and especially what they're still doing this year with all of the injuries they've had on that side of the ball. And then you see something like what Richard Sherman had to say about him. And that makes me like, that puts it over the top for me because Richard Sherman is without a doubt, one of the smartest players in the league. And we know what kind of, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get along with everyone. You know, he's a certain type of personality and to hear him, rave and glow about him so openly and I don't know he just like to go from having Matt Patricia to having a guy like that um, would be the cultural reset that they were hoping to have when they brought Patricia in I I don't see any way that that guy would fail I think he could make the young guys on this defense better and I think that he could attract the guys to want to come play in his defense there's so much upside, and I'm all in on it. If it doesn't happen, yeah, he's currently really the biggest out. favorite right now to take the Lions' job, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's from the guy was raised mm-hmm. a Lions fan. He's from Dearborn, graduated from North, North Fordson High School, played football for the Michigan for the Northern Michigan University Wildcats. Like he he's he's a Michigan guy through and through. He would it seems. I mean, I, I gotta assume he had mm-hmm. some sort of family here too that 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 would be nice. Yeah, they said uh, yeah, on the broadcast yeah, all of his family and, lives and, and in so you get the, the, the state too, still. Where, like Detroit's not an attractive destination. I'd say, I'd say, you know, we we've talked about the enemy before. He's going to be a great head coach somewhere, but I feel like a guy like him has so many options that, like, when you're picking them, Detroit doesn't ha- is not necessarily number one on your list just because of the destination, because of the reputation of the franchise, and all and all those mm-hmm. things. Um, but with Salah, you you get the sense that he wants to come. That, that maybe he would want to come to Detroit, which is a, which is a, an intriguing thing to see. Uh, mm-hmm. If you, I guess, yeah. I, I mean, I I wish I could say something to disagree with you to make for good podcast content, but I completely agree with everything that you said. Yeah, I think he would be a great uh, just cultural mm-hmm. fit for the team. Uh, he just brings uh, so much energy, and it and it seems like all the guys sort of love playing for him, like all the comments you're seeing from Richard Sherman. I think he said he needs, I think a quote from Sherman was he needs to get the Detroit job, uh, which Please. is uh, well, yeah. a really, yeah, which is a great sign to see, but it wouldn't be right to just talk about one right. option. That's a, a great fit. Uh, other guys that uh, Callan and I sort of talked about uh, one guy Callan brought up was Byron Leftwich, uh, offensive coordinator for Tampa. I brought up his counterpart, the defensive coordinator in Tampa, uh, Todd Bowles. I think both of those choices would be nice uh, for different mm-hmm. reasons. Uh, for Bowles, uh, he's had had he has had coach um, coaching experience. Uh, unfortunately, it was with the Jets. I think you're dealt a bad hand when you're with the Jets, and I mean you can say that when you're with the Lions as well. Uh, but 
you're you he wasn't really in the best situation. I still think they made the playoffs. Yeah, I think he once. got a pretty raw deal in New York. I was I always liked him when he was yeah. there. Yeah, I thought I thought he he did a really he does a really fine job. And what you're seeing with Tampa Bay's defense, um, they kind of got lit up in the first half against Kansas City. Pretty but I think they held them scoreless. I think they, I think I they had say like in the second half, something like that. But yeah, um, pretty it, close. To- yeah, it it was a, a really good mm-hmm. performance uh, by Tampa Bay's defense, especially coming off of a couple weeks where people were doubting them a little bit. And then on the other side, Byron Leftwich. He's just a guy who I think would bring in um, just a, a new mentality on offense. Which, if it's a guy, if it's a if it's a defensive guy that you bring in, you need to bring in an offensive coordinator that is going to bring a uh, a new look offense yes. to Detroit. Something that is, that is uh, from the twenty first century. I cannot watch another Daryl season. I really can't. I'm also really hoping that Bevel switches up the playbook a little bit, and I'm hoping that the reason the playbook looks so bad is because yeah, yeah, Matt Patricia was there. That, I really yeah. hope so, but that I have a feeling that's not. We'd have be the to case. wait to. We'd have to. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. But you know, well, you guys saw you know, he's already made his. I'm hoping the offense looks good, and we still lose the last five games. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was rough. so. He was in the like he was in the press conference with what the reporters, do? right? And he was he was talking about how like Rod Wood gave him the phone call to like um like to 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 tell him that he's the head coach now, right? And he said that he actually didn't pick up the phone the first time because he was on mm-hmm. the phone with one of his son and with one of his future son in laws who was asking for his daughter's hand in marriage and asking for his permission to get that hand in marriage, and he had, had a similar conversation. With it, with his other, oh, with his yeah. other future son-in-law that day, so like, kind of blew up those guys' spot in his very first press conference as head coach, without 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 them asking about yeah. it by any means. Like it just like was <laughs> they just kind of like served it up to them on a silver platter. So like obviously it's like nothing nothing compared to what we've heard about yeah. from former players about what Patricia did in 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 the locker room. God, that's we can get into that if we want to, but what an athlete that guy. <sighs> God. But, uh, I don't yeah. want to talk. I don't want to talk but, about but, him. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't want to ever talk hit, about hit the him. Nail on the head. Head. With the play calling stuff from Bevel, I think they have a little bit. They probably win a, maybe win a couple games the next few days just because of how bad Patricia has been and how bad it seemed like he was for the culture. Because, you know, you saw Romeo Cornell won his first game back over the season. Raheem Mostert has, has looked pretty good as the coach in Atlanta. So you, you see that from time to time. So I think they'd win a couple games this season. But uh, yeah, Bevel's not getting the job. Uh, short, short of short of some sort of playoff bid, Bevel's well, yeah. not getting the job. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, it, the Thanksgiving game was rough, and it really just looked like they had finally quit on him, which I was happy to see. Like, good, they finally did what they needed to do to get him out of there. Um, just, I think the one th- not this isn't even about Patricia, but just what the reaction we saw from all these former lions that we didn't even necessarily want to be former lions. Like I think we would love if these guys were still lions and they're not lions because of their relationship with that guy. And to see them all come forward and 
even though they're not even a part of the team anymore, kind of rejoice at someone losing their job is pretty remarkable. Like that's just a terrible impact you left. So to know, I I'm sure some team is going to give them a coordinator job. I wouldn't want to be my team. I'm glad it won't be my team, but uh, there's, there's a lot of names out there. I think we highlighted a few of them. I, I, another one that I know is, is starting to get hot re- right now, not even necessarily with Detroit. But around the league is uh, Matt Eberflus, the the Colts DC, just because what he's been able to do with that unit, even though they got obliterated by Derrick Henry on Sunday, they've been a top three unit in the league. And there's a, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's a lot to be excited about. I guess um, I don't know what to expect out of the the GM hire, but yeah, that's a that's a whole different search i don't know that one those are that always hard to kind of gauge come out for that too but no one i talked yeah about there's there's good room about you know you said you liked reggie mckenzie the guy the miami guy used to be with the raiders right yes yeah yeah i think he would be somebody i mean they've they've shown in miami that they've been able to bring in some uh some good pieces uh they've been able to draft well especially and uh, they've been able to add pieces as well with, uh, with some of the guys that they had, uh, maybe for a higher price than they expected to even get for them. And so uh, that would be nice to bring in a guy like him uh, that, into the GM position for Detroit. I mean, just some fresh. I mean, I'm going to be happy with whoever it is, to be honest, getting hired as a GM just because it's hard to really gauge. Totally. How good a GM can be I at least when they build right. the job. Experience so that we avoid having the Quinn. Uh, so what we had with Quinn, where he he had some decent oh, yeah. draft picks, but he never really had had experience as a general manager. And the more you look back on that, that seems like a vital thing to have when it comes to that position. If not that, I would personally just like to see him or them come from at least someone who does have a history of like or coming from an organization that does have a history of drafting good deep classes so if i if i i'd be happy if i saw someone from indy from baltimore from one of those type of organizations that consistently drafts well and consistently develops talent that they pittsburgh Pittsburgh. yep i think if you were to go with uh sala maybe you bring a 49ers guy, but not, I don't want to do the thing where we try to build someone else's team again. So I, I like Noah mm-hmm. said, I'll pretty much be happy with anyone because it's something new. It's something how fresh. About, and it's uh, a, how'd you feel about time to rejoice later? for a new era? Wouldn't hate it. I, I, I don't, I, I like yeah. him a lot in his current job. So I don't, I don't know he's the what only I would. Name up there that I, don't out of the I could talk seen, myself he's into. He's the it. only one that that like has some. Seems like he has some sort of national intrigue. Uh, Mike Borgonzi, the director of football yeah. operations in Kansas City, uh, name that SI likes is Kevin Colbert, the Steelers general manager who uh, vice slash vice president as a guy potentially. And you look at Steelers have drafted amazingly over the last couple of years. Uh, Ed. Yeah, Ed Dodds is the especially at wide receiver. The Colts. I mean, if you want to st- stick with the Niners, yeah. 
Oh, I'd, uh, I'd love to get a Chris Ballard yeah, guy, man. I think Chris Ballard is so good. He is. He's really good. Chris Ballard job. is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this has ever happened before. Maybe you go out and get like Theo Epstein. That'd be know. wild. He's, 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 he does some crazy things with terrible franchises. That's true. He has into two historic droughts, so... So I mean, like maybe yeah. we just need some. Just some need good to shake it up a little bit. Yeah, just bring bring in an outsider, uh, give him a new challenge. Uh, trust your trust your coordinators yeah. to pick the guys that they want, and you know, go from there. I don't know. That's <laughs> right. just that, that's never it's not going to happen, but it just sort of popped into my head. Um, but yeah, uh, I I look forward to seeing what uh, Sheila Hamp Ford. Uh, has up her sleeve uh, in the next uh, in the off season when uh, everything sort of settles down for the Lions after they lose five Let's straight. Let's do it, baby. Hopefully. Let's tank all the way. Let's embrace it. Yes. Last thing I want us to talk about. Uh, I know, D'Angelo, you said you haven't really caught up. Uh, you haven't watched I've too watched, much college basketball the, this year. Kellen, I don't know Michigan what you've game. really watched. So but, I, uh, Michigan fan, I have some concerns and some thoughts on. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, Michigan, let's, uh, let's start with Michigan 2-0 so far, uh, uh, started off ranked as the number 25 team in the country. They fell, uh, they're currently unranked most likely because uh, they had to, they had to have overtime to beat Oakland. Uh, the takeaway from Michigan, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a weird team I'd say so far. Uh, livers livers is pro- is probably going to end up being their best player. He's got a nice looking three point shot. His, his, his ability to create his own shot has gotten a lot a lot better. I love what I've seen out of Franz Wagner too. Uh, Franz Wagner too, uh, but if, if, but the the story with this Michigan team and uh, I think uh, uh, one of the Brendan Quinn from the Athletic was writing about this uh, the other day. Hunter Dickinson is the real deal, man. He he has the chance. He has the chance to be the best big man that Michigan has had in a mm-hmm. long time. And usually with Michigan big man big men with guys like Mitch McGarry. They've been seen as like energy guys who can catch lobs and take charges and, and rah-rah on the bench and do all these things. That's not what this kid is. This kid has this kid is legitimately has a has 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 four or five post moves in his bag. He's got a great looking jumper. He's got a great feel for double teams and triple teams and can pass out of them. His defense needs a little bit of work, but the guy's seven foot one, so he doesn't so I and being in the Big Ten, that's enough size to probably be fine. I like to see him put on a little more weight, but um, he he and the he and Terrence Williams, both of who uh, shared the court together on an AAU team uh, a couple of years back, uh, they did a great job of picking apart the Oakland zone when a lot of the Michigan uh, when a lot of the Michigan players couldn't do that. So with this Michigan team, you know the whole question is going to be whether they can compete with the big boys of the Big Ten like Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan State. They're probably right on that next tier. And it just, I, I probably anticipate them being a six or a seven seed in this tournament. Um, but, the, you know, it's, it's not a bad it's not a bad squad. And the transfers, too, with Mike Smith and Shawnee Brown, they've been fine, but nothing, nothing earth shattering, I would say. Yeah, Shawnee came in as somebody who was supposed to be a good shooter. and He uh, sucked <laughs> it up against fair, Oakland. I think he was really like one and nine. Hopefully he, he, you see that. Green uh, was hanging defensively, around there in the first half of that game, and he kind of came yeah, off the bench and lit it up in the second half and, and ended that one. So, 
Yeah, and defensively, I think he made some good yeah. plays on the defensive end, yeah, which isn't your, something I think three, he was really known for coming over. Guy, so that was nice to see uh, against Oakland. I don't know, maybe maybe similar to what Mar was the last couple of years, but I, I, I don't, I haven't I haven't seen a ton enough of the guy play to have that much of a judgment on. There's only been two games here. As sick of I am as seeing Austin Davis on the floor, which I tweeted about that Hunter Dickinson needs 40 minutes a night at center, um, I, I'll i never be happy. I'm not a Michigan State fan, so like I guess I when they're playing Michigan State, I'm happy to see this kid on the floor. But when Eli Brooks is playing, I just – I don't understand it at all. I, I don't know played, why I think, I he think plays, he to be honest. Uh, I think he gets I, a start this year, but call, I think call me. Chaundy Brown might end up taking that starting spot from him, or if you see an elevation from a guy like Zeb Jackson, too. But he's a senior. He's been around the program. This is a weird year in terms of continuity with the with the virus and everything. So I guess he gets to start up from that aspect. But he's never, ever been – as a Michigan State fan, no, I can't imagine you've ever been, like, afraid of – Eli Brooks in a big game of any kind. He's 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 a yeah he's he's never, no he's a he's never your classic ever. like senior college basketball guard who's who can shy away in big moments. I guess I don't know. I I've never I've never been too fond of the guy. And and Mike Smith, the transfer out of Columbia, is going to end up taking his minutes too. He'll probably be your primary point guard this year, um, and everything. So. Uh yeah, they're I'd say they're they're a fine they're they're a fine mm-hmm. team. They're gonna be middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Get they'll get in the tournament for sure. I don't know how much they're gonna do there, but yeah, the big story with Michigan is give Hunter Dickinson the ball all game long. So yeah, he's I think he's it's the not, best recruit this year. It's not an this year. exaggeration to say uh, that, that was brought in for sure. Ever. I really don't think. It, I really don't. It, it. I don't think so either. Maybe. Uh, I mean, McGarry was pretty yeah, good for McGarry's them. Never, uh, McGarry, you never had a in the time like he McGarry spent. I think he was only there for a year. I, I feel like a lot of that came with came with Burke helping him out with a lot of the lobs and the pick and roll yeah. and that kind of thing. But this is the kind of guy who, who you know, he, he has Eli Brooks mm-hmm. passing in the ball, and he's still going to be. He's still going to dominate. So. And is I I could see him going to the draft early, probably maybe yeah. most likely yeah. probably at the end of next year. But if he stays all four years, he has the potential to be to to a records for Michigan. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't. I I I expect him to be gone after his sophomore year. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they're definitely they're definitely in good position with some of these young guys for next year's team, especially with everybody that's uh, being brought in in that number one recruiting class. Um, big game. Real quick. I'll touch on the Spartans big game tonight, uh, before too. I go over some guys just nationally that have sort of caught my eye. Huge game tonight against the Duke, against the Duke blue devils in Cameron indoor. Luckily the crazies won't be there uh, because it's, it would be a bit ridiculous to play a, a normal uh uh, game that's supposed to be at a neutral site uh, against the home team Dukies. Uh, the, the fans to deal with them, so that's nice not to have to deal with tonight. Uh, but yeah, the first couple games, you know, they took care of Eastern Michigan. Foster Lawyer lit it up in the starting lineup, had 20 points, 6 to 10 shooting, uh, 6 attempts from 3 actually. And then, uh, when they played Notre Dame, you you see why Foster just can't play consistent minutes against uh, uh, actual competition. 
Defensively, you're, he's going to get picked on every single possession. And offensively, you just can't really get open unless he's playing against the zone. And so that's my biggest gripe right now with Michigan State is that they're giving too many minutes to Foster, even though he was a guy I liked. I just I didn't think that the these problems would be so glaring. Um, other than that, this is the best defensive team I've ever seen at Michigan State. Uh, this might be Izzo's best defensive team he's had. Um, just with all the guys that you have, uh, whether it be Aaron Henry, uh, Gabe Brown, Joey Hauser gives uh, gives his all on defense. My favorite lineup that they put out there, and it's a bench unit. It's uh, when Rocket Watts, Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, um, Malik Hall, and Marcus Bingham are out there just because uh, every single one of them can do something for you on offense and defensively they, they play their hearts out. Um, that, that it's, it's my yeah. favorite unit to watch mainly because of the defense they have because they're so long and they're so quick. Uh, I, I love seeing that. Uh, I think Rocket's going to end up taking Foster's he's starting still, spot once he gets a little up, healthier. He's, he's really been dealing with a bit of a knee never. issue. And so, he, he, uh, yeah. 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 He, he's, he's looked good even with the injury, which I, I didn't even realize he was hurt until I think they mentioned it uh, during the broadcast against Notre Dame. And so, yeah, I, I really like this team. Um, and they have a ton of young guys, too, that don't even play. A.J. Hogard was a top Who's that? Uh, 50 – A.J. Hogard and Manny Sissoko were both he, top 50 he, recruits, he did, I believe. Yeah, and the, they're the, not even the, – The big the, – the guy who blocked a ton of shots in their first that, game. That's – Yeah, Sissoko. That guy. That's Sissoko. Yeah, Sissoko. He doesn't. He doesn't even play, and like he, well, you're he, gonna, could, he would be getting minutes for just about every Big Ten team, I think, right now. Stuff. I was gonna bring um, up that point with Austin Davis, where you kind of you're you're gonna be you're gonna be at a point where you're like at Illinois, and the starting big man has three fouls, and you need to play him a little bit. So I guess it, it, there's a value in having him for that. But um, yeah, that it's a mm-hmm. it's a fun team you guys got. It it, it really has it really has. <laughs> Yeah. He's really a Tom Izzo branded team, I would say. He's got his in terms of like the defensive identity, and in terms of anyone not necessarily having a one star guy like Winston was last year, but having a number of guys who could be your best player on a given night. Yeah, it's really nice to see. It's it's nice that you're not relying, like you said, on caches every every possession to do something for you because it feels like. And I think they've they've had assists on like ninety percent of their buckets already this year in the first two games, which is incredible. Really they they share the ball so well, which is always which has always been a a, a thing that uh, Izzo teams have strived themselves on. But it's just it's it's crazy to see that from uh, from this t- sort of team. I, I'm really excited for the game tonight against Duke uh, to see how how that shakes out. Um, before we end the podcast, I just want to go over a couple of guys that uh, sort of caught my eye uh, in this bas- in this college basketball season so far. The first guy I want to talk about uh, is Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova. He was a guy last year that I wasn't uh, super surprised that came back. Uh, a lot of people thought he might have been a one-and-done for them. He was the Big East player of the year, but he, he needed to sort of uh, refine that offensive game a little bit. And he certainly has done that in his first couple of games. He's looked real nice. Uh, he can do a lot of things, uh, whether that be spotting up, uh, whether you give it to him in the high post and he makes a decision either to drive by or pull up. Uh, he can body you down in the post. 
But the thing I'm most intrigued with is even at his size at 6'9", he looks a little bulkier. He can guard one through five with ease. And that's what's really exciting about him. He might be a better guy to get than yeah. Sadiq Bey. And we, I think all three of us are pretty mm-hmm. high on the Sadiq Bey pick. And so if you, if you can get a guy like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and he's going to be somebody who falls into the 20s, and that's not because of his play. It's because of how deep this draft is. You're you're gonna fall in love with this kid uh, when he's on your team next year because he does everything right for you. I, I've been really impressed I, with him. Uh, oh, I was just, I was just gonna say on this pod, ahead. I think we've been very obvious yeah. about the fact that we are very pro Villanova guys, um, and so especially when yes. anytime I hear the idea that someone can guard one through five, that's such a a t- yeah. a tool that any NBA coach would die to have right now and. Yeah, like any team would take a guy like that. He's a winning player. Yeah, he's absolutely like he he de- definitely defends better than Sadiq. He's he's not the shooter Sadiq is, but he definitely is a better defender and he's a he's a pretty good passer of the ball as well. I mean, he was guarding Remy Martin, who's one of the quickest point guards in the league. He's mm-hmm. a senior out of Arizona State, and I mean, he he wasn't letting him get by him uh, the, the entire game whenever he got switched on to him. And so that was that was really nice to see. A guy from that game as well uh, for Arizona State that has looked good and somebody I just wanted to mention is a, is Josh Christopher. Tough. He's a freshman out of, uh, <laughs> out of California. Yeah. He's, uh, he's really Uh-oh. impressive with the ball in his hands, but I think there's just a little Jordan Clarkson in there. Um, it seems like he wants to just mm-hmm. – and he's a really good scorer. Don't get me wrong. He he can he can really score the basketball. It just seems like Arizona State possessions die when he gets the ball in his hands. Like he he doesn't ever look for an open guy. Um, I, I don't suspect that the ball is going to move. Uh, even if there's an open guy in the corner, if you're trying to swing it around, I think he's his instinct is I'm going to go and mm-hmm. score, and he can do that. Um, but I just think I I think there needs to be some more to his game that needs to. Uh, to develop and he's not the best jump shooter in the world. So having that attribute in your game is something that um, unless you're going to be deadly in the mid range, which it looks like early on, he's pretty, it's a pretty high level skill that he has is is shooting in the mid range. That's just something I worry about a little bit with him Uh, that, that he's going to be a little uh, too overly aggressive offensively trying to score. That's a, that's just a bad combo. The lack of a of a dominant perimeter game, and then a yeah, I don't know. It's like you said. It's it's. I mean, it's pretty early in the season. It's tough that he's not playing uh, that yeah. kind of basketball in Ann Arbor. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, in this draft, you know, you're not expecting him to be one of the absolute top guys. So he could he could very well be a, a bench no. contributor for. A, a lot of teams Certainly. in the mid to late first round. And the reason I'm not really bringing up, I'm not, I'm not going to bring up any of like the top guys is just because mm-hmm. they've all played so great. I mean, I could talk about Zaire Williams or, or Jalen Suggs or uh, Kate Cun- Cunningham. Or Evan Mobley. Mobley. I could talk about any of those guys. If he's I really good. To, but it's just. Uh, Mobley. Are you talking about the guy on USC? Yeah. Who was that? Yeah. Evan. Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, he's he's phenomenal as a big. I mean, he can he 
if if his jump shot's legit, uh, I really like. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't uh, be upset with the Pistons taking him if if he's available there in the top five. Um, but I think he and Cade might go one and two, to be honest. Um, real quick, the last guy that's really caught my eye uh, out of Illinois. I've liked him since he's been a freshman there. It's mm-hmm. Io DeSumo. Um, the jump shot's never been really that consistent, but this year, it's uh, it seems that he's found. Uh, the rhythm, he, he's put up 20 points in his first three games. It's the first time he's ever had a streak of three games in college where he's put up 20 points. He can get to the bucket at 6'5". He can guard the hell out of the basketball, one through three. Um, he's a really good passer, solid finisher. Just that jump shot needs to keep being as consistent as it is. And if it does, uh, he's going to be a guy like Jeremiah Robinson Earl that you're going to find in the mid and in, in the late first round, and you're going to be very mm-hmm. happy that you got him. And um, yeah, I, I I really like Illinois' team. I'm not a I'm not huge on the fascination of Kofi Coburn. Um, I've never been because he like he's just huge, and I get that that's awesome to have in college. Uh, but the fact that he put his name into the draft uh, into the draft pool this year uh, was laughable. Uh, there's nothing he does in the NBA that's uh, in college that translates to the NBA other than dunking the basketball. He's so slow. He's so terribly slow. I, I hate watching him on the floor. That's a that's a Big Ten big he's for my, you, or that's a traditional Big Ten line. big for you, though. I feel like so it's just a ton of size. Yeah, not a lot of foot speed, and you mm-hmm. know they can yeah score over smaller players in college. So yeah. Yeah. So so that that about does it uh, for the guys. I mean, everybody on Gonzaga is good. Drew Timmy, Corey Kisper, Jalen Suggs, like I mentioned, they're Naturally. all they're all really solid. I was high on Drew Timmy last year as a uh, soft or as a freshman. I think he and Jeremiah Robinson are all the best sophomores in the class. Uh, so yeah, the, the there's a lot of guys that uh, I'll be I'll be talking about here uh in the in the coming podcast and so but yeah i think that's going to wrap it up for us yeah this, this uh, i've got to get i've got to get michigan this, state duke on the television they start here in about 10 minutes so looking forward it it could be and i'm really hoping it's not even if they lose i hope they hope they play solid because i don't think they're gonna they're gonna make it easy on duke with how how well they defend even though jalen johnson had a 19 and 19 in his first game as a freshman, uh, that's going to be something that's going to be tough to stop uh, tonight. So, yeah, it was nice to get on. I mean, again the with you guys. Game uh, hopefully week. we can so get on in the next couple talk- weeks, talk about uh, the new local. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about, yeah, we can talk about the Pistons preseason game. I still need to figure out a way to watch it because Hulu doesn't have Fox sports Detroit. You could, you could so to the bad TV uh, numbers and just like, got to find some stuff. ways to get that on. And so I'm still. That's true. My mom and dad want to watch it. Is oh, the only issue, okay. and we don't. I don't have any way of connecting my laptop to like right. any of our TVs. So that's the only. That's the only bummer there. Uh, I think. Okay. I think yeah. my grandpa still has Direct TV, so we might be able go to get like his sign yeah. in that's, for like Fox Sports Go. That's the way to go Fox for Sports. sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna. Yeah, hopefully my grandpa has that. Uh, that's the big issue. <laughs> that's the big. That's the big uh, question. 
that we're going to have to get answered here in the next week. But, yeah, hopefully we can talk about that game. Maybe the Lions look good, but bat, uh, not good enough to win any games. And uh, the college basketball season is just getting underway. And Absolutely. so there's going to be a lot of good games here coming up and a lot of great prospects to watch. Amazing prospects yeah, to watch. Yeah, take care. Stay safe out there. So that's going to do it for us. 